blessing. Amen. Amen. Well, tonight again, as we close this portion of our mission revival, no more preaching services in the evenings, that is. We'll be meeting back again Sunday, of course, and it will, I trust, continue through the day as we take up our faith promise offering. But we are so honored once again, one last time, I should say tonight, to have with us Brother Van Horn and his wife, of course, and boy, what a tremendous job he's done over this last few days. And I know our hearts have been stirred and encouraged and a little bit unorthodox, to be frank with you. He doesn't come up here with a title. He doesn't have a simple three-point outline. He just takes the Bible, opens it up, begins to just expound it and dig into it and share what God's given to him. And boy, I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but it's been pretty effective. <laughs> it's been a blessing, amen. And I'm so glad that uh, the Lord gave us leadership to have him come in, and boy, what a, it's always good to obey him, the Lord, that is. And boy, I'll tell you what, you've done a fabulous job for us, brother. We just ask you to come preach again, and just give us what God's put on your heart. And you'd be praying for Brother Van Horn as he speaks, and be praying that 
your heart will be open tonight. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I do praise the Lord for His goodness. Amen. Amen. I got to thinking sitting back there. Uh, I think this is the only church in 17 years that's ever asked me to preach two mission conferences. I preached one years ago, and this is the first time I got invited back. I don't know what that says. <laughs> maybe good, maybe bad, but uh, it is, again, uh, certainly uh, good to be here. Amen. Yeah, I, I laugh too, preacher. I just don't know what to think. Uh, but it is good to be here. Um, boy, what, a, what, an incredible, um, what an incredible testimony from that missionary, Brother Edwards. Wow. If you don't think God is uh, uh, not watching, and if you don't think He blesses those that bless the Jews and curses those that don't, um, grab a hold of, of Bill Grady's book called What Hath God Wrought, God Wrought, and you'll find out that uh, over 200,000 Jews were homeless after the signing of that Gaza Strip Treaty. 200,000 Jews, where are you, Brother Edwards, left homeless within three Hours, Katrina hit the shores of America, leaving over 200,000 Americans homeless. That's right. That's exactly right. Have you read that book? It's incredible. And I believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe um, Mr. Bush's home place in Texas was one of the homes that was destroyed in the in the floods, in the rainwaters because of the... God loves the Jewish people, amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord, I appreciate that testimony. I can tell you how I can reach the world doing 70. I don't waste my time talking to police officers through my window. <laughs> Not to mention paying speeding fines I could use for Bibles, amen? <laughs> Uh, no, I know. Miss Sherry told me to do this stuff. You know, I can't help it. And, and that redheaded staff member of yours, where is he? I, where is he hiding? Is he even in the service tonight? I don't see him anywhere. Where is he? Is he hiding? <laughs> there he is. He's right in front of me. Uh, wow. Yeah, something about a Volvo. <laughs> yeah. Rent a car, just drive it like you stole it, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I never have heard them called speed angels. I've always heard them called speed demons. Amen. <laughs> oh, but amen. Isn't it good to be saved? Wow. Yeah, I know. I, listen, I, I, I think it has been a little bit unorthodox if you have me come and preach. I really don't do the three points in a poem. I struggle with that. I don't know. I just do. And if you do a three point in a poem, that's great. That's the way they teach us in school. I didn't really necessarily go through a, a college classroom setting. I just did my college work correspondently studying, reading, getting thoughts as I read, and I just kind of, I guess I just, well, Dr. Garris helped me, amen. He says he just grabs a thought and preaches it until Jesus is done with it, amen. So that's kind of how I, I operate, and it seems to be working, amen. So uh, I certainly do uh, appreciate your um, your prayers. Now, I enjoyed last night. I, I love that, that, um, I, I, that, that old black preacher. Man, he's incredible. He was, I just wish that you could have heard him say it instead of me. My king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. 
that's my king. I, I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the pride. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well-trained of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his word is right. He can just go on for hours and talk about him. And I love it. Amen. Amen. I was in the, the hotel today uh, checking out. And uh, ladies up there, you know, and I, I got to talking to him about the Lord and having a pretty good old time. And, and uh, um, she said, were you the one that talked to my, to my, uh, my what do you call him, the work guy there? maintenance man today and I said well if he was checking the fire extinguishers was or if he was checking the fire extinguishers yeah I did and she goes he came down so excited I said well we had a revival in the hallway we had a pretty good time and about that time this guy comes walking back in and I'd been preaching to him for a while gave him a couple books I said I got done preaching to him a little bit ago and uh, we just had a great time and uh, I said let me go get my prayer card she's a good lady the, and I come back and give her my prayer card she looks at the prayer card she said, my mom has prayed for you for years. 
She says, I'm Judy Davis. I said, good night. I grew up with this little girl in church. It was incredible. She reached over and hugged me, and I hugged her, and we cried a little bit and had a little bit of a revival. But, you know, she said something to me, and please don't think I'm trying to be braggadocious, but she said, thank you for being a missionary wherever you are. And I thought, why can't we be Christians wherever we are? Why, Why can't we just take and talk about him like that wherever we are? You know, I mean... Honestly, it, it, it spreads over. It really does. I was in a, in a restaurant, and I don't even know whether I'll get to this tonight. I'll try. Uh, I was in a restaurant, and, and uh, we just, one waitress come by, gave him a gospel track, invited him to church, talking to him about the Lord. Somebody else comes. They're just targets. I'm sitting there talking to him about the Lord, and this lady gets up. I saw her kind of watching me out of the corner of my eye. I thought, oh, boy, here we go. And she comes over and she says, Sir, she said, I just want to thank you. And she said, I've been a Christian for a long time, but I've been afraid to do that. I said, Ma'am, I said, just pray. He'll give you the boldness. We have, we have the answer to the world's problems. We do. We have all the answers. How in the world can you be racked with pain so much pain, it's unbearable. Brother, I'm not trying to lift you up, but to come to an old-fashioned altar where it takes two people to lift you up when you're done praying, but yet shout glory to the creator of the universe. Well, everybody else is just blaming people for their troubles and trials. We can shout it out because we know that God's got a plan. Amen? And the church has been so good to us. I just got a a little cake full of brownies, amen, from some young lady. The worst part about that is she made me promise that I had to share them with my wife, amen. (laughs) So it's public now. I've got the brownies, baby. All the food, the meals, the incredible sacrifices made so that we could uh, be here this week. Missionaries, you guys have knocked it out of the park. Uh, I train missionaries how to give their their little thing to the to the churches and A plus all three of well the other one isn't here but they really did you, uh, you got a passion for your for your field amen, amen. Right. you got a plan to get there or, and a uh, and a purpose to be there um, that's alliterated isn't it yeah that's not bad for right off the cuff is it yeah <laughs> amen <laughs> I'm usually illiterated but this is okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you guys are doing a great job. Would you would you do me a favor? Go and stay. Please don't quit. I get so tired of hearing those statistics of missionaries staying five years and coming home and literally having a million dollars spent on them in that five to seven years, and they come home and they take a youth pastor's position. I, I struggle. I don't know. I struggle. Please stay. Please do what you're doing. If God moves you, let him move you. But you better make sure you got scripture he's moving you with. Amen. You better make sure. Well, tonight I want to give you something just a little bit unorthodox. Uh, Out of Isaiah chapter... I'm just kidding. (laughs) Out of Isaiah chapter 58. It's really... What I'm going to give you this evening, it really is just a little bit more of a... I like what um, uh, one of the authors I like to read. Um, 
can't remember his name right now, but he says it's more of a fireside chat, if you will, than uh, necessarily a preaching message tonight. I'll, I'll bear my heart a little bit with you, and then I'm going to give you just a couple more thoughts to, to ponder on, and I, I hope it'll be a blessing. Isaiah chapter 58, um, would you stand with me tonight? I'll just read the first... I'll just read the first two verses tonight, and then I'm really going to kind of plow through the next couple uh, down through there and try to be a blessing. Isaiah would say, Cry out, cry, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinances of their God. They asked of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Let me read verse 3. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our souls, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Father, this evening I pray that you'd help me Uh, Lord, as I try to uh, give to these dear people, Lord, what you've given to me in my study times, Lord, I believe there's some incredible truths to look through, to look and to find in this passage and and beyond what I'll give for just a just a short time tonight. But again, I I just want to thank you for Calvary and and boy, I I thank you for uh, being so good to us. Lord Jesus, I, I pray tonight if there's someone in this room that's not saved that the day be the day. Thank you for the great day. A couple souls came to know you as their Savior. Some, Lord, some Christians have been encouraged. Uh, Eric is lost and on his way to hell. He's got a Bible and a, a little book he could read that I hope will help him tonight, Lord. And uh, many other people have talked and witnessed and invited and encouraged. And, and I just pray that, that, Lord, you'd use this for all your glory. In Christ's name, amen. You can be seated. Amen. Well, I will tell you what Elizabeth Taylor told her last husband. I'll not keep you long tonight, I promise. Um, Some of you will get that in a minute. As it continues now in verse number 4, Behold, Isaiah would say, Ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen? Now, Now picture this. The Lord is talking to Israel here through Isaiah. And he's saying, is this the kind of fast that I've chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen? Now you say, Brother Van Orn, you're putting your own emphasis in there. Well... When you read it, you can pretty much see those emphasis in that particular spot. He said, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? And what will this fast accomplish? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that ye break every yoke? Is, is it not, carefully, listen carefully, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out of thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? He would say this then. Then shalt the light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily. And thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. 
that's the back guard. That's, that's the God that's got your back. He, he's covering you when the devil's coming up behind you. You see, the Lord's talking about the type of fast that, that He approves of. He's talking about the type of fast that, that, that He wants to see us uh, accomplish and, and to, to, uh, to do in our own lives, if you will. Now, I'm not talking tonight about not eating. The, the sad truth about it is, is really uh, our churches across this nation don't have a clue about fasting. There's, there's so much about fasting in, in this Bible, and, and there's so much power that can be unleashed through fasting that it's just absolutely incredible. That's why I wrote that book about fasting, to, to just try and, as a pastor wrote on the back or told me the, the thought, he said, thank you, Brother Van Horn, for reblazing an overgrown trail to fundamentalism. But I, I saw this long after I finished the book. I was just doing some studies here not too long ago, and I come across it, and I thought, my soul, this is incredible. Now, yes, there's all sorts of different fasts in the Bible. There's a three-day complete fast where you don't eat or drink anything like the Esther fast. The Apostle Paul did that. Jesus did a 40-day fast before he went into his ministry, only drank water. It was not a supernatural fast. He did it as a man because he was hungry and not thirsty, so he probably drank water throughout his fast. We have Moses doing an 80-day supernatural fast, didn't eat anything or drink anything for 40 days, went up on the hill, come down, and found that crowd all messed up. Isn't it amazing how fast a church could get messed up if there's not a pastor in place? Isn't it amazing how fast a household can get messed up if the spiritual leader of the house is spending more time watching the one-eyed demon than teaching their children about Jesus themselves? There's supposed to be a revival. Now, this can be a little bit of revival preaching tonight, right? It's a mission revival, so I'm allowed to do some of this stuff. Amen. There's all sorts of different ways to fast. But when I saw this, it literally blew my mind. Look, look what he said. He's talking about, is this not the fast that I have chosen? Now, look, look what the fast will accomplish. It'll loose the bands of the wickedness. It'll undo the heavy burdens. It'll let the oppressed go free. And it'll break every yoke. It will deal. This is our part of it. That's what it'll accomplish. But he says, now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take some of your money and use it to buy bread for the hungry. I want you to take some of your your." Uh, your money, and bring it to the poor. I, I want you to bring some of your money and make sure that, that those poor Jews living in fear of their children's lives every day can get some hope by reading a copy of the Torah, the Old Testament, where Christ is found from the beginning to the end of it. I believe Isaiah is trying to get us to, to fast from what we love so much. And it's our money. Now you just think about your money for just a minute. Jesus preached on money more than anything else in the Bible. He preached more about money than he did heaven and hell. He dealt with it continually. Why? Because he knows what grabs a hold of the heart of a man. That's why I saved this thought till tonight. I don't want to run everybody off. 
we always got to have this gadget and that gadget and this toy and that toy and oh we got to have that that little little bit of money set back where nobody's going to touch it because that's my my nest egg or 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 that's my what I'm resting on just in case something happens happens I I have this to go to and it's sitting there rotten when it could be invested in God's work his work needs money. Here he's talking about a fast that will just simply say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to give you some sacrificial offerings. Now, please don't get me wrong because there may be somebody in here that's doing this, but I highly doubt that there's too many, probably even include myself, that give sacrificially. Most of us give out of our excess. Thank you for helping me. It's the truth. We give out of our excess. When's the last time we said, okay, I'm not going to eat for a week and I'm going to take my lunch money and put it into the mission fund or use that money that I would have eaten for a week and give it to uh, 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 the homeless shelter or do something? When's the last time we sacrificially gave ourselves to the Lord? Sacrificially uh, packing up and leaving your home and, and going over to to Nepal or, or to Bosnia. Or, or uh, I don't know whether you folks really understood that, but when you're standing on the border of Gaza, one of those bombs could go off and some of that shrapnel just might hit you between the forehead. Sacrificing his life. And his wife is sacrificing her husband as she stands behind him. Now these people are sacrificing Above and beyond. Well, look what happens when we sacrificially give. Some of you thought maybe I was just kidding when I said there's probably someone in this room that could write a check for $250,000 and build a Christian school. And there just might be someone in this room. And when I said that, they may have even squirmed inside their heart, but I guarantee you they didn't move in their seat. So what if you do it? Do you think God would leave you high and dry sitting on the street with nothing left because you gave? I'm not tell, I'm not, I'm, please don't, don't look at me wrong. I'm not trying to tell you to go sell the farm and bring everything in and live out on the street. That's not what I'm trying to, to tell you tonight. But what I am trying to tell you is to do what God's telling you to do. Yes, amen. Come on, amen. And I'd counsel with your pastor if it was something big. Amen? But why not? I was out soul winning today with Brother Rodney. I already knocked on this door a couple different times. He showed me that old Chevelle two times already. <laughs> he says, I can't do a thousand doors a week anymore, Brother Van Horn. You're right in there, brother. He says, he estimated. Just an estimation, over 100,000 bus kids have come through this church. And the other church you were in, you're including both churches, since God gave him a burden for souls. I, I, I think that might fall into this. Is this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness? 
He said, some of the moms are in the church here right now and we're hauling their kids in. Is this not the fast I've chosen to deal the bread to the hungry? Anything our church can do for you, ma'am? How can we help you? Oh, I bet you bought a pair of shoes or two, some clothes. Probably don't live in a big mansion driving the newest cars. Is this not the fast that I've chosen? I love giving. And I wasn't going to tell you any of these stories. It's not in my notes or nothing. But people, we've just got to understand that that there's still people out there that sacrifice everything, isn't there? And when they sacrifice everything, it's not like they're the happiest people in the world. And we got this little wad of money sitting here. And God's saying, I'm really not worried about the money, but I'm a little bit more worried about why you won't come off of it. Where's your heart? Chances are, if he's been working on you to doing something and you're not doing it, then you're not coming out the soul winning and, and you're not knocking on doors every Saturday or, or Friday or, or you're not just a missionary wherever you are. Why can't we be like that? I told her, I, I got to talking to her there before she... she realized who I was. I said, sis, I said, I just love talking about Jesus. Took her over to Malachi, the verse I used with the soul winners today. Malachi 3.16 and showed them how God's writing down everything that we think or say, every conversation. I told that maintenance man today. That's why I wanted to tell the group. I said, man, we just had a time today. And you know what happened to this? It got written down in heaven. And she says, that's incredible. I said, yeah, that's why I like talking about him. I said, because I've got an eternity to spend in heaven with him. And I want a whole lot of personal time at the library with my Lord, going over all the conversations we've had. He's got them written down. I love talking about the Lord. I was on an airplane. <coughs> I had all three seats to myself. I thought, glory to God, this guy from the back gets up and comes in and sits by the window. He says, I'm sitting right here. I'm not going to sit back here by that crowd. I'm like, well, okay, I was going to lay down. It was a 14-hour flight. Man, I got to preaching to him. Telling him about Jesus. I mean, for an hour straight, I talked about the Lord. Well, he told me he was a Christian, so I figured he was enjoying it. I got back up, went back to the bathroom. I come back, I had all three seats left. <laughs> Brother Ricky said, he walked by me and looked down and said, Man, that guy's crazy in love with Jesus. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> well, I had all three seats. Took me a nap the rest of the day. Whoa! absolutely love giving. I'm driving a 2003 Chevrolet Silverado out there. Amen. I think Jesus was, if he was alive today, he'd drive a Chevy. Amen. Oh, come on. Don't be wagging your head no up here on the front row. Brother, get your heart right, right now with God. He said he's going to build the church on a rock. Amen. Chevy's built like a rock. Why not? I was in a little mission conference down at Loudonville Baptist Temple. Church just getting started. Church, Pastor, Pastor Kohler had a, has a, has, still has a love for the Lord. Just getting started. He's in a church service on Sunday morning just telling the people, boy, I wish we could just raise some money for a bus. Now, I'm, on, I, I'm in deputation, uh, in debt with my house already, not to mention I've only got about maybe... Four or five hundred dollars a month coming in, and I've got some credit card debt that I could pay off real easy. And uh, the Holy Ghost throws me a nudge. Do you ever get one of them nudges? I promise you, it's best to 
follow the nudge. Amen? Run on down to the bank like you did, brother. Hallelujah. Praise God. I went home and got the title to my 1964 Harley-Davidson motorcycle and put it into the offering plate. I said, with a note, I said, I don't want any accolades. I don't want my name mentioned. I don't, wanna, I, don't want, I don't want anybody to know. Just sell this old motorcycle. I'm sure some folks will know, but please don't lift me up. Sell it, get a bus, and haul them kids in till Jesus comes. You know what happened? They still got the bus. They're still hauling kids in. I thought, glory to God. Now, I could have used that ten grand to pay that credit card bill off real quick, and Paula looked at me and and, and we had a little talk about it, but she says, Mike, if that's what God's leading you to do, you do it. And I thank God for a wife that's behind me. Amen. I promise you, could not do what I do today without her. Wonderful wife. I, I praise the Lord for her. Three weeks later, I show up to my church. I'm driving. Now, if you want to get the use out of your car, get a Chevrolet. I had a 1992 Chevrolet Caprice with 430,000 miles on it. Still going, man. Look great. And I go into church, and the pastor comes up and says, Hey, somebody told me your car's got a pile of miles. The deacons voted. We're giving you $15,000 to buy you a vehicle. That's what I said, sis. I said, Glory to God, so don't you know I bought a Chevy? It's got 485,000 miles on it tonight sitting out there. Amen. We're still not done with her. Hallelujah. I didn't preach that. I didn't brag about it going up and down the road for five years. I just let it in my heart. It was so wonderful. But then I couldn't help it. I'm in a preacher's meeting. Well, actually a prison meeting down in, in um, um, South Carolina. Just getting ready to go into a coordinator's meeting. And, and I get a phone call from this crazy preacher in Alabama. You'd have to know him. Brother David Dad. He said, Fine whore! He got this draw. I'm talking about a mile long. He said, man, what would you do with my old Harley if I gave it to you? I said, what are you talking about, brother? He said, God won't leave me alone. He said, come get this old motorcycle out of my garage. A 1962 Harley-Davidson Panhead that he spent $14,000 restoring. God gave me a Harley back. That's pretty incredible. Now, I'm still struggling with the question. What are you going to do with it if I give it to you? I said, I don't know, man. I said, I promise you, I might ride it till Jesus comes back. That's exactly what I told him. Then I'm up at that church, Grace Baptist Church up in that Michigan place somewhere where John Jenkins is, amen. You know that crowd? You guys know that crowd? And I'm bragging on Jesus. They're talking about all their motorcycles. Pastor's got a motorcycle. I think he even has a Harley, right? Didn't he ride with God or did he have one of them Honda things? I can't remember. <laughs> And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. And the Holy Ghost of God said, well, we just, we're trying to raise money for a printing press. Gone, gone. I gave two of them. I'm not, I told you my dad's got that life verse for me. Lord, have mercy on my son for he's a lunatic. I gave two Harleys away. I told that old preacher, I said, preacher man, I said, don't you worry a bit. I said, don't you worry. I said, everybody backs Everybody else is coming back on white horses. You and me coming back on white Harleys. Hallelujah. <laughs> I didn't tell you that to brag on me. I didn't tell you to, that or any other reason than have you ever given sacrificially. 
Because that's what God wants. Sacrificially helping on the building, and, and I know your preacher has been very kind not to, to, to stress it and to push it, but there's some people over there that spend every waking hour of their, of their life over there pushing brooms, knocking off floor tiles, just working so someone can come to know the Lord as their Savior. All right, now here it is. I've talked about that long enough. Fast and give sacrifice. Fast from your stuff. I saved about $20 a month on insurance after I got rid of that old Harley. Amen. You'd be amazed what you have laying around the house that you don't need. Verse 8. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning. And this one is what really got me. And thine health shall spring forth speedily. Amen. He wants to bless you physically. He wants to, to help you physically. And we're holding on to this little pile of stuff that's going to be gone. One guy told his wife, he's getting ready to die. He says, honey, go to the bank, take out all the money, put it in a briefcase and put it in the attic. I'm taking it with me on the way by. He dies. They have the fu- funeral. He forgets, she forgets all about it. After about a month, she goes, hmm. Goes running upstairs and there's that suitcase sitting right there. She said, I knew I should have put it in the basement. <laughs> we don't get it in a minute. You can't take it with you, amen. Up or down. Can't take it with you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just like to laugh a little bit. Number one, it keeps you awake and alive. And Anyhow. You really can't take it with you. Missionaries, don't ever preach like me. Just get your three points and preach it. Amen. It's a lot more effective, I promise you. He wants to give us health. He wants to give us financial blessings. Uh, Can I report to you tonight that God allowed some different circumstances to come through us, Um, paid off all my bills, been completely debt-free now for about four or five years, If God so wills and everything continues in five years, I'll even own my home. He's allowed allowed me to literally travel this world, build church building, distribute gospel literature, raise funds for printing, uh, buy land. And and not not a penny of it, not 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 even a speck of dirt of it is for me. And he allows me to raise these funds to do these projects because you know why? He can trust me with it. And he's going to put you missionaries through some trials, you young folks. And until he sees that he can trust you with it, you may have to endure some hard times. Just thank him and keep on going. Amen. Young people in this, in this room tonight, your families may go through some struggles. You may have to eat them Raymond noodles or ramen noodles or Ramon noodles, whatever you call them. Everybody calls them something different. But you may have to eat them crazy things that come in a bag harder than crackers, amen? I still don't think water helps them either. There's still are. 
But what if you had to live that way, but you're still maintaining a relationship with the Lord and you're sacrificially giving to Him? He'll take care of you. Now, seriously, honestly, I'm going to say this with all truth. Make sure you counsel with your pastor before you do anything crazy. Because Saul was a big giver. The only problem is he got ahead of the game and it cost him his kingdom. He didn't do anything bad. He just offered sacrifices to the God that he loved. But the problem was, Brother Josh, is it wasn't his place to do it. He got ahead of God and it cost him his kingdom. So counsel with the man of God. The man of God will help you. Amen? But I, I just couldn't help to see that then shall the light break forth as the morning and thine health shall spring forth speedily. Thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear reward. That's the marching. That's the, 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 uh, uh, the, the group of soldiers behind you that has your back. Then, now this, is, now this is incredible. Watch it now. Then shalt thou call and the Lord, what's it say? Shall answer. The Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry. How many times have you cried tonight for the Lord? Wondered where he was. When you get this thing right about the money that God's trusted you with and, and the time that God's trusted you with, the, the, the abilities that God's trusted you with, and you get that right with the Lord and you cry unto him, he'll say, here I am, son. <laughs> Nothing like it. Nothing like it. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, he said, and putting forth of the finger and the speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, giving, helping, doing for others, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in the drought, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden. Hallelujah. And a spring of water, whose water fails not. Now that's some serious promises going on here. And they shall be of thee, And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt rise up the foundations of many generations. Thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of the paths to dwell in. Isn't that incredible promises? If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord honorable, and shalt honor Him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own word. I'm just going to do it my way. Well, go ahead. But God says when you fall in this category and say, I'm going to do it your way, then shall thou delight thyself in the Lord. And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob, thy father, for the mouth of the Lord 
hath spoken it. Amen. Amen. Well, fasting from our pleasure and from our finances has great benefits. And uh, God uses men. He uses people. Got a little list of them here today for you. He's always used men to carry out his program. When he, when he created Adam, put him in the garden, he put him there to keep it. That's what he said, to keep the garden in Genesis 2.15. He commanded Noah to build the ark to rescue the eight that would continue to flourish and, and uh, replenish the earth in Genesis 6. Joseph in Genesis 37 had to suffer affliction. I'd say he sacrificed a little bit so he could save Israel. Had the right attitude about it too. Uh, he gave us Moses... Uh, to approach Pharaoh in Exodus 3.10 when he could have just struck Pharaoh dead and let the people go, but he used Moses. And Moses called Bezalel and Ahoyalib and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even everyone whose heart stirred him up to come under the work to do it. He used these men to build the temple, gave them the ability to do it. Some of us have the ability but won't. He filled the widow's pots with oil, but made her gather as many as she could find. He used the scribes to pen down his words in Jeremiah 8. In Deuteronomy 17, 18, kings would be ordered to make the copies to ensure that there were enough copies when it was time for us to have his word. We had a pure copy. He used the priests to offer the sacrifices people to bring the sacrifices. Solomon said you couldn't even count them. It was innumerable, the amount of sacrifices, the sacrificial, uh, um, the oxen and the, uh, the lambs that were brought in. He performed many miracles in the New Testament, but he included his disciples in them, filled the water pots with wine. But what did he do? He told them to gather the pots in John chapter 2. He fed the multitudes, but gave the disciples the baskets to distribute the blessings. <laughs> Only one thing better than giving money away is giving somebody else's money away. <laughs> I like doing that, amen. You imagine having someone come up to you, giving you a million bucks and say, now listen, I'll give you another one next week. Just give it away as quick as you can. I'd have some serious fun, amen. Well, God said, here's a good handful. Give it away and I'll bless you. Amen. In John chapter 11, verse 39, he raised Lazarus from the dead, but someone had to take the stone away. He always included men. He let men help him. In Mark 5, he cast out the demons from the maniac in Gadara, but wouldn't let him get in his boat and go with him. He said, I got a job for you. Go back and tell the city what took place. He went back and told his mom and dad he was sorry. The principal of school, he was sorry. The police chief, he was sorry. And after all that crowd saw who he was now, man, they followed him out to hear Jesus. John chapter 4, he forgave the sins of a woman at the well. And she went back and brought a crowd out to hear it. You've got to come see this man. You've got to come see him. He healed the lame. And then they pronounced his fame. He forgave your sins. Are you pronouncing his fame? What a savior. He borrowed a colt to ride in on his triumphal entry. Didn't even have a, uh, didn't even have a donkey to ride in on. So he borrowed one. He borrowed my cross. Joseph gave him his tomb, and in Luke 24, now we see him uh, on the road to Emmaus, walking with two people, expounding the scriptures in the Old Testament, and then feeding them. And I believe when he went like this, they recognized who he was, yes, amen. handed him that bread. 
And there's those nail prints. Bam, Jesus is gone. And those did not our hearts burn in ourselves? The Bible says they got right straight back up and went on another eight-hour walk back to the city. He's alive! Hallelujah, they would say. Well, now, how shall they hear? Except they be sent. He's bound his hands with every single word written in the King James Bible. Can't operate outside of it. He won't, or he's a liar, and he's not a liar. It's impossible for him to lie. Not going to pop down over there in Israel and preach Jesus. They have the Old Testament. They're going to have to pick it up and read it. They have to have a Bible. That's a tremendous plan. Um, what's that preacher out there in, in Oklahoma? He's, he's been planting a lot of Bibles over there in um, um, the old Marine. The old Marine out there. Um, Vineyard. He's been planting Bibles over there in Israel for years too, just sticking them in different places. And, and, and I believe you're absolutely right. That 144,000 are going to pick up those Bibles and read it. The Lord used 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4 to call me into this ministry. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. He has trusted you with the most valuable, most valuable piece of information. He has trusted you with the money bag. He's trusted you with your abilities, your time. Man, if God's calling you into a ministry, jump as quick as you can. Amen? Yes, amen. Spend the rest of your life serving Him. It's been incredible. 37 years old, I jumped in with both feet. No money coming in. Hung my tool belt up on a nail and said, Okay, God, you called me to preach. I'm not going to go to work again nailing. I, I've not made a penny with my tool belt in 16 years. I've used the thing. That's because preachers found out I knew how to work. I mean, time after time. But I loved it. I was on deputation. You think I sat around? Oh, no. I found me something to do and in a hurry. Building drywall. I learned how to drywall on deputation. I used to hire it out, Brother Dave, because I didn't like that mess. I'm a pretty good drywaller. I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, next week I'm coming back up preaching. <laughs> Hallelujah. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God was trieth our hearts. I realized God trusted me to do what I could do. I don't, I don't get a whole lot done. I, I, I lay in bed at night wishing I could do more. Honestly, this, the only reason you don't get well three points in a poem and all that sophisticated type messages is because I just, I just don't, I don't know how to do it, I guess. I don't know. I guess I could. But I just like to take my Bible and preach what God gives me. Amen. Amen. Uh, but I realized that God trusted me with the only message that's going to save sinners. Amen. And I look back and see what He has allowed me to accomplish. Just to be a part of so many different things. It just blows my mind. But now He's wanted to take the gospel to the lost. And He's allowing us to take and have our part in it. He's asking you to roll the stone away or move that stone so Lazarus could come out. Move that stone so the dead can live again. Move that stone so we can take life to the regions beyond. We've got to roll that stone away and distribute a miracle that he's already provided. I'm almost done. I want to give you this. February 9th, 9th and 1941, 
a speech was broadcasted in London by Winston Churchill, and this is what he said. But after all, the fate of this war is going to be settled by what happens on the oceans, in the air, and above all, in this island. It seems now to be certain that the government and the people of the United States intend to supply us with all that is necessary for victory. In the last war, the United States sent two million men across the Atlantic, but this is not a war of vast armies firing immense masses of shells at one another. We do not need the gallant armies which are forming throughout the American Union. Union. We do not need them this year, nor next year, nor any year that I can foresee. But we do need most urgently an immense and continuous supply of war materials and technical apparatuses of all kinds. We need them here, and we need to bring them here. We shall need a great mass of shipping in 1942, far more than we can build ourselves. If we are to maintain uh, the, uh, uh, this war effort in the West and in the East, we shall not fail or falter. We shall not weaken nor tire. Neither the sudden shock of the battle nor the long-drawn trials of vigilance and exertion will wear us down. And Winston Churchill would say, Give us the tools. And we'll finish the job. That's what us missionaries cry out. You don't want to go to Cambodia? Give me the tools. Give me the tools and I'll finish the job. Now don't worry because the Bible says, uh, David said that uh, those that stick by the stuff part the same. Amen. So whether you're providing the materials or you're over there in the front lines, we got the same reward. We're all part of the same team. But we still need someone to give us the bullets and the bombs. General Wainwright at Corrigan, in the island of Corrigador would write the surrender note and tell General MacArthur, I had absolutely no choice. My men are starving. They have no more ammunition. The supply line has been cut off. The Japanese would take that group of men, put them into prisoners of war camp, and it would be quite a while before they would see freedom again. It's all about the supply line. The missionaries will go, amen? Some of them will stay. But we'll get the job done if we have the tools. Amen? But we got to have you to do it. we got to have your prayers. That's weaponry. That's, that's, that's big-time missiles with nuclear bombs, nuclear warheads on the tops. We've got to have your prayers. We have to have your finances. We have to. Absolutely have to. Because we said, God, we're going to trust in you. And God says, I'll use my people to provide. I think there's a lot of mission work that's not getting accomplished today. Because there's a lot of churches that aren't doing what God's told them to do in missions. But I'm thankful for Community Baptist Church. Over 16 years, I get that check every month. Right on time. Never missed a one. No doubt you've been praying for us, or I couldn't be doing what I'm doing today. So church, I love you. I really mean that with all my heart. I'm proud of what God's doing here in this place, because I can go around the country and say it can be done. Amen? We can still have a building project and give to missions. You know, how many churches have dropped me because of their mission or building program? Crazy. 
Let's go for God. Amen? Let's give Him all we got. Let's do some sacrificial giving. We can finish that church building over there and burn the note. Wouldn't that be incredible? We could put missionaries on, more missionaries. We could build schools. We can send Bibles, build printing shops. We can do all sorts of things. Don't worry, I'll keep sending you notes, letting you know what I need. You keep praying and giving, amen? And we'll get something done for the glory of God. Preacher, come on, that's all I have tonight.